0: All right, welcome to another episode of Sean. It's what number is it? Episode 12. That's right. If it's relevant, that's I believe it's relevant anyway. <laughs> We're a baseball history podcast, and uh, we take turns telling each other stories. He's from, Sean. Oh yeah, I am Sean, and I'm Ed. And we take turns telling each You're other brave. stories from baseball history. Uh, so me, Sean, I have a, I have a whopper. Like, I, if this one, if people don't like this one, I'm gonna be disappointed. <laughs> 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 like i am fucked up if I make this like disinteresting. Well, to be
1: fair, I don't know if there's really. Like I don't know. If, how will you know?
0: Uh, I I don't know. Nobody gives us. Feedback. Yeah, there's no feedback. So, so you like... can follow us on uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Doing baseball. Uh, we are available on Spotify. We're available on Apple Podcasts, and you can Podbean. see yeah, or you can see
1: the sources for all this stuff. Once we start collecting all that stuff and putting it up at our Podbean podbean.com, yep. Um, dot Yep. Do, or Doing Baseball Podbean com or something.
0: Yeah. But either way, you're listening now, so that's awesome. So let's. Uh, so this is different. If you have listened to the show in the past, uh, normally we talk about uh, specific players or incidents or World Series, for example, of mm-hmm. something. So today's more of a, a broader subject matter. So we start with a few uh, shorter stories. Um, okay. To, that kind of set the tone for for what we're going to be talking about, and and something that's like taking place in baseball literally this season, like right now, like right now. Okay. And here's what That's kind of ambiguous. That's it. So, uh, that word? Uh, October 1902 in Morristown, Ohio, Stanton Walker was seated between Frank Hyde, who was scoring the game, and Leroy Wilson, another fan. During the course of the game, Hyde asked Wilson for a knife so he could sharpen his pencil. Wilson opened the blade of his penknife and handed it to Walker to pass it along to Hyde. Just as Walker took the knife, a foul ball struck him in the hand. And drove the blade into his heart. <laughs> no, it didn't. I told you we were starting. <laughs> this is der- so Walker bled <laughs> to death within oh moments. God. So it was it, it's coming night- in hot. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so this is all in the talk uh, about being in the wrong place <laughs> at the wrong time. God damn. So it's it's yeah, it's nuts. That there's no way that that could have that would never happened. happen again. So he stabbed himself in the heart after being hit by a foul ball. Um, but if you don't know, or if you out there, he's not the only fan to die from a foul ball. He's the only one that ever killed himself accidentally by stabbing (laughs) I was the only guy to ever pull out my pocket knife and stab myself in the heart. Here's the other thing about the the Walker story. I, I also, when I first read this story... It said that he was nine years old. He was nine? No, but I I, I got more accounts of it, and, okay. and a majority of them... Like, there were probably a couple that said nine. Others said 20. I mean, I, and the 21s had of a more... disparity. But, yeah, I mean, but the 21s had more information, like the people he was sitting next to and, and all that. And it kind of makes a little bit more I was sense. Gonna, yeah, that it seems more likely. I don't know. It was 1902. You'd probably not be passing a nine-year-old in night. Nine, I don't know. Well, you probably would. Yeah, it's I a feel like knife. it would probably be more likely it's back then than it is okay. now. Okay. So he's not the only fan to die in a ballpark. So recently, August 25th, 19 or 19, August 25th, 2018, Linda Goldblum was in the stands taking in a game between the LA Dodgers and San Diego Padres in Los Angeles. Uh, she sat in section 106, row C, seat five, behind home plate on the first base side. Goldbloom, a longtime Dodger fan, was celebrating her, 90, er, her 79th birthday and her 59th wedding anniversary with her husband Erwin and her brother-in-law Michael and her sister-in-law Eve. Uh, in the top of the ninth inning, a Padres batter foul-tipped a ball that went sailing behind home plate just above the netting and struck Goldblum in the head. Ushers ra- raced to her and asked her if she if she was okay. She responded that no, she was not, and paramedics were called, and she was placed in an ambulance and rushed to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Once at the hospital, it was determined she'd need emergency brain surgery, and for three days she was unresponsive after the procedure. Uh, she Shit. was kept breathing by a ventilator, but on August 28th, her family gathered around her bedside and said goodbye before unplugging the machines, like she had wished for in her uh, in her will. Um, so Ugh. she she died the following morning. So that was in two thousand eighteen. So that's two years ago. Yeah. two seasons ago. So Linda's not the only person to have died in Dodger Stadium. From okay. <laughs> like, where's the, I told you it was gonna be yeah, a lot. So of So you little like went stories. down. You, it seems like you started
1: on one thing and started going down little wormholes.
0: So Alan Fish, uh, a 14-year-old boy, on May 16th, 1970, uh, he was attending a game between the Dodgers and the Giants with his brother and five other boys. Uh, they sat in row two, just past the dugout on the first base side. In the bottom of the third inning, with Gaylord Perry on the mound. Dodger outfielder Manny Mo- Mota uh, slashed a, bo- a foul ball into the stand, striking Allen in his temple. Uh, so, yeah, everything seemed fine, and he was responsive, and uh, the Giants dugout right there, like, gave him an ice pack and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so he was taken to the first aid station, and he was checked out by a doctor. The doctor gave him a couple Tylenol and, and sent him back, uh, or aspirin, sent him back to his seat. Uh, after the game, he became dizzy, and his parents became concerned and took him to the hospital. Unfortunately, he would not leave the hospital, and he died four days later. Ah. So, yeah. Uh, so the, the, the root- impact of the ball had created a f- hairline fracture with his in his skull and caused an intral cerebral hemorrhage. Mm-hmm. So it's... It sounds like the Ray Chapman kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Um... Uh, which is a good episode in our archives, if you want to listen to that.
0: So it kind of keeps going, though. So we got... Uh, <laughs> uh, Wendy Whitehead was a spectator uh, with her husband at a San Angelo Colts independent league game in June 2, 2010. Bottom of the 8th, she was struck uh, when she was sitting down the third baseline, and she was knocked unconscious. Um, the third baseman like saw what happened, so there yeah. was like a whole scene, and, and the whole game stopped for a while. Uh, her husband was a doctor And he was sitting next to her And he became attending to her But she basically like It was like Yeah uh, uh. Finally uh, In 1960 At a AAA game In Miami Dominic LaSalle Was struck by a ball Similar to Whitehead uh, he was attending the game at Miami Stadium. It was like, I think, yeah, it was AAA. I said that with his nephew and uh, his nephew's kids. So he was a an, an older guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, top of the seventh, Columbus Jets outfielder Johnny Powers, which is a... <laughs> another name. Add that to the list of names in uh, baseball history. So he hit a foul ball down the third base line, uh, striking LaSalle in the head, and he would die two days later. Mm. So there's been a few. There's been a few, and, and a lot they're... of these like.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like cracking a beer after <laughs> Yeah. Was... I feel like I haven't heard about a lot of these. I'm supr- I'm actually like I mean I'm I'm surprised but not surprised, you know, like with, with the amount of games there have been, I figured there would obviously be a lot of injuries, but it seems like it's it's well, we'll not get, talked we'll about a lot. It's we'll not talked that. about you know,
0: a lot. Well we're not done. Um so. Okay. Okay, <laughs> so, so foul balls. On are a part of the game. Uh, to many fans, especially kids, catching a ball hidden to the stands is, is a dream. So yeah. thousands of foul balls are hidden to the stands every year at baseball stadiums around. There were tens of thousands. There's lots and lots of foul balls. Mm-hmm. Um, while spectators are frequently hit by foul balls and bats at baseball games, awake for a Wake Forest study from 2007... Found that only five of those incidents since 1970. It's really well, it's seven now because of Whitehead and Goldblum. Right. uh, Resulted in fatalities. Mm. So we're talking about seven fatalities over 50 years now. Okay. Well, from what I could find. Um. So, I mean, that's not a lot, but that's not like. Yeah, but it's like yeah, it's not (laughs) none. That's so. Can you? It's seven unnecessary deaths. Can you guess what this is What this is about pertaining to baseball nowadays? Your story? Yeah. What your
1: story is about? Yeah. Are you talking about, like, whitewashing of, like, the dangers?
0: No. I'm like, ta- that's just what I, I don't know. That's I'm talking I about get. extending the nets.
1: Oh, yeah. Like,
0: yeah. That's happening now. No, no. Yeah,
1: okay. I, Every I, I team get is that gonna, in, like, the relation but, to what's happening today. But I thought, I don't know. I feel like we getting But why hasn't it dark. happened until yeah.
0: now? Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, I think that's kind of what I was meaning. Yeah, well, let's, let's continue because there's more people to die.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um, we were trying ball. to get away from some of these darker episodes. We just like we, we tell one about like Mamie Johnson and then old Haas and then boom, right back into the death yeah, stories. Yeah,
0: well, either way. here we go. <laughs> Uh, so foul balls and bats are not the only way a fan can be struck by a ball. Okay. <laughs> On September ninth, 1943, a Washington Senator er, a game between the Washington Senators and the Cleveland Indians, uh, they were playing a doubleheader. And in the ninth inning of the first game, Cleveland third baseman Kent Keltner, Keltner hit a ground ball to Senators third baseman Sherry Robinson. Robertson fielded the ball cleanly, but sailed his throw away from first baseman Mickey Vernon. hmm Clarence Stagemeyer, a 32-year-old Civil Aeronautics Administration official, was sitting in the front row behind first base. The throw from third baseman uh, hit Stagemeyer in the head. At first, he showed no signs of being badly injured. Mm-hmm. Now we know how this story goes. Yes. Um, so, Nobody's injured in the beginning. Well, jeez. I mean, They're like trying to be tough, at least. Concussions, right? And, yeah. And, yeah. No, it's After serious facts. stuff. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, a short while later, uh, though, a uh, sender's team physician attended him and, and convinced him to go to the hospital to get checked out for a possible concussion. Mm-hmm. Once at the hospital, things did take a turn for and the And this worse. was
1: 1943? 1943. So probably, you know... Yeah. They probably didn't know very much
0: about it. <laughs> for a 1943 doctor, like, physician, be like, I you know need what? to go to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> One day he was like, no, nah, I'm good. Just go to sleep. <laughs> just, I'm just going to nap. <laughs> Sleeper sleep her off. just going to nap in my blood. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um uh could so, be
1: painting the doctors more negatively than we should
0: so so these incidents are are the more widely obviously there's baseball games like there's college and and minor league other minor mm-hmm. league mm-hmm. And, and games all across the world and stuff and I'm sure there's many more incidents like this right so uh while other fans have died from from falls and other accidents at the park uh some Kind of think the foul ball deaths could have been avoided. Yeah. Uh, earlier, uh, baseballs are hard. They weigh about five inches, nine inches around. It's like a fist hitting you, right? So. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Nowadays, a bat can fly off, or a ball can fly off a bat at over 110 miles an hour. Yeah. If you're talking about like Stanton,
1: Judge, Stanton, or big dudes <laughs> Stanton like that. and Stanton, no, yeah.
0: Guerrero, um, big dudes like that. Uh, So it can hit you, like, if you are even, if you're the closest that's not covered with netting, that's going to get to you in, like, less than a second. Mm -hmm. So you have less than a second to react. Yeah. And we're not all (laughs) professional baseball players. Um, A review of the incidents by Bloomberg in 2014 found that 1,750 fans were injured uh, a year. That's a lot.
1: Yeah, and that's, like, in... That's just major league baseball. Yeah,
0: yeah. By foul balls, I I think they might be minor leagues as well, but in professional major league affiliated. Yeah. So uh, with players getting stronger and exit exit velocities increasing, uh, evidence shows uh, there's like the the risk is increasing as well. So pitchers Mm -hmm. throw harder. Uh, the harder they throw, oh beep beep, take your they, pail. The harder they throw, uh, obviously, the more chances there are f- foul balls, right? Mm-hmm. If a guy's throwing ninety nine with like yeah. a seventy eight hook, mm-hmm. like if you get your what, like it's it's there's going to be more foul balls than not because the guys' timing rates are even more like precise nowadays. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, data compiled by the. Elias Sports Bureau for NBC showed that the number of foul balls per game has increased by about 10% since the year 2000. Okay, interesting. So, so yeah. Um, and basically, yeah, well, that I was I love until, the data. Well, that was you until... Know, so, like, so foul balls increased uh, to be precise with the data. It was 48.9 per game in 2000. So there was, uh-huh. there was basically 49 foul balls a game and, and it increased to 53.8 per game in the first half of 2019. Okay so that's uh that's that's like significant that's that's five more balls into the stance, basically, yeah um but either way it's a, it, so fan struck so the the problem is with this like obviously there there's more people talk about there's more stuff nowadays, everyone's like, well we mean more stuff well there's there's scoreboards that are showing you. Data—they're showing yeah. you statistics and stuff right. that used to not be a thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You might have the the scoreboard out. The so there's open more. The
1: you mean there's more information well, for the fan to take in? There's more distractions yeah, from we have what's going. on phones, there's right, jumbotrons right, and right. stuff
0: like that. Like why? Mm-hmm. Like this is—it's like a recipe for
1: right. this to happen. And like and uh, to the phone thing, like you know, y- people will say like, "Oh, you shouldn't be on your phone at a game or whatever," right? But like, I've used my phone at the game to like. Enhance my experience
0: experience of the game. You know, like you can be looking at pitch tracker and being like, mm -hmm. "Oh, that looked like a strike," and you can exactly look at your phone and see. Basically, I mean, it's it's an issue that obviously they're they're addressing now. Mm -hmm. But like this went on for centuries. Like we're we're gonna get (laughs) into even more. How old is baseball? Yeah, exactly. Like no, trust me. There's way more crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, Carry on. So. It's not just guys or people that are dying, too. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, uh, you can be injured, and it can create a terrible scene. Well, we've seen We've seen, <laughs> we've seen it. Milwaukee. See, knew we were going to get into this. Milwaukee. This is, I know. And the Braves. You... Uh, tell the story of Milwaukee. Okay. okay. Interrupt the so so story so, us. So we're there in
1: Milwaukee, and we're sitting 2015. There, 2015. So we're sitting there with... Uh, someone this this family and he's buying us beers <laughs> it was it was great it was a good time anyway so line drive foul ball just over the dugout the the first base side dugout and it happened so fast that like we couldn't even tell who had got hit or where she had gotten hit, but it turned out that this lady had gotten hit pretty well, much it, right in the forehead. Well, everyone cleared
0: away, and yeah. there was just her, like, out with, like, a pool of blood. Yeah, it like, was, huge pool of blood. Yeah, like, it was, shitty
1: scene. Anyway,
0: carry on. She was helped, and, and luckily we found out she was not injured. Yeah. She,
1: well, she was I injured, mean, sorry, but, sorry, like, she, was not. she She did not <laughs> succumb to her injuries. She,
0: she recovered yes. from what we, we, we read. Yes. Um, anyway... Well, luckily she was fine. So on August 8th, 1982, the Boston Red Sox were playing the Chicago White Sox at Fenway Park. Um, The game was televised nationally, so this was a very, very big incident. So in the fourth inning, uh, Red Sox hitter Dave Stapleton fouled off a pitch that whizzed into the stands just above the Red Sox dugout. It struck four-year-old Jonathan Keene in the head. Uh, Yeah. Tom Keane, Jonathan's father, initially thought the ball had hit the facing of the dugout. That's the sound that it made. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, fuck me. Yeah. But young Jonathan began to scream, slumping over in his seat as blood gushed down the left side of his head. Oh, Jim Rice, uh, who we all know. Oh, call? this is the Jim Rice picture. Yeah. yeah. So the future Hall of Famer, right? Edzie, so there's a very famous fi- picture of this happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know this story. Jim Rice of. rushed out of the dugout. He went into the stands. He grabbed the boy. Yeah. Uh, who just like it's it's a scary picture because yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. Like, it is a very
1: disturbing image.
0: Yeah, like, and uh, so yeah.
1: He essentially like Saved the boy's life Because he got him To team doctors Yeah He
0: just immediately Grabbed the kid Took him down Into the dugout A Red Sox doctor Was immediately like Call ambulance Yeah yeah And they had him like At a children's hospital Within like 5 or 10 minutes Mm -hmm, Uh, And not to kind of like No no it's
1: great I'm glad Not not to like go in like The like negative light of it That's what I was Kind of talking about Like whitewashing Sort of like earlier Is like I know about this story Yeah And I wonder like Do I know about it Because Jim Wright the major league baseball player saved
0: the kid, you know, like it kind of oh, no doubt, you know. Well, and it was very, it was a national thing at the time. If, if that game wasn't that game, might not have even been televised, then yeah, you know, obviously, you'd probably still have true, the, true. the photo, but yeah. it wouldn't have been uh, as widely. I'm sure everybody back in 1982 was talking about that on mm-hmm. August 9th,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, so that that's crazy. So th- this kid was okay and he he went on to fully recover, and mm-hmm. many people thank Jim Rice and say that he he saved Jonathan Keene's life. Uh, Jim Rice went one for four with two RBIs. Uh, okay. <laughs> with, uh, with Jonathan's blood all over him. Okay. He did not change. He just continued yeah, playing this, the game. That would be very intimidating <laughs> as a pitcher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, Look at this fucking guy. So Here's the, the second part of the story which is going to basically set the precedent for Everything that has happened up until now. So, although okay. thousands of lawsuits have been filed, none have won and are rarely even heard in the courts. There are two reasons for this.
1: The disclaimer?
0: Yes. So there's a disclaimer on every ticket sold nowadays. Yes, yes. Uh, and there's also announcements and and things put up around the park, signs put up around the park saying, like, hey, pay attention to foul balls. Yeah. And that is, you know for liability reasons mm-hmm. because there's lots of lawsuits because lots of people get hit with foul balls. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you would
1: think it Because would be somehow like, a sign doesn't protect you from being able to react to a ball getting
0: to you in less than a fucking second. Well, but that's the thing. That's like wild to think about how many thousands of lawsuits and it's still just like, well, but they didn't need to worry about those lawsuits mm-hmm. because what we're going to talk about okay. now. Okay, tell right. Lay it on me. Excited. Um, So, uh... Alan Fish, who we talked about, the the young boy killed at Dodgers Stadium, mm-hmm. uh, his parents were one of the people to. Uh, the lawsuiters? To Major League Baseball. Uh, they alleged the Dodgers failed to provide a safe space to watch the game. Uh, jury ultimately returned the di- verdict in favor of the Dodgers and uh, the physician as well that just gave him aspirin. Um, <laughs> okay. So- uh, come on, I'll, burp into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> so the two reasons, so there's this disclaimer on the ticket. Yeah. Um, which is basically says uh, the ticket holder assumes all risk, danger, and injury incidental to the game of baseball. So anything that involves the game of baseball, we are not liable for that. So okay. yeah, I guess like, Colby Rasmus could run into the stands and bite your neck, and you'd is have a that case. part of the game exactly? Though? But it would
1: probably go to court. Yeah, somehow <laughs> they would argue. Okay, that,
0: why are you Colby Rasmus? The second <laughs> is the baseball rule, okay, uh, which is a r- real law. Uh, it's kind of a precedent, so it's a torts law. So torts is kind of like a liability, like public ruling, like based on history of, of court like ruling. Yeah. So it's a tort torts law that's actually called the baseball rule. Okay. Baseball rule holds that a baseball team or at amateur levels its sponsoring organization cannot be held liable for injuries suffered by a spectator struck by a foul ball batted into the stands. Under most circumstances, as long as the team has offered protective seating in areas where foul balls are most likely to cause injury. Okay. That is a rule. Okay, but like... That is a law. Sorry, it's not a rule. Right, right, but like... That's an American law built into... Okay, but I I would argue
1: that, like, if you're beyond the netting... Well, we're going to get into that. Um, The last part of that rule doesn't apply, because you haven't provided protective seating
0: beyond the netting. Exactly, but... They have netting, so you can sit behind there. That's what they're saying. You can sit you can netting. spend more money and sit behind the netting. Exactly. Oh, God damn it. Um So that's a real ones. Here nettings. we go again. <laughs> okay, so as the problem we discussed just now without me even reading <laughs> okay. this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Getting out um, of ourselves. J- um, netting does not cover many areas where foul balls have killed people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah. Still, courts have rarely even heard cases striking down lawsuits citing the baseball rule as precedent, and stating that fans do have the option to sit in areas protected by netting. So, mm-hmm. the first nets were placed behind home plate. You wouldn't be dead if you weren't so cheap. <laughs> oh, fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All
1: right, but that's what they're saying. Major League Baseball's words. That's the
0: court's (laughs) words, technically. Well, just say. Anyway. So. Uh, the first nets were placed uh, behind home plate in 1879 by the Providence Grace. Okay, that's earlier than I expected. Uh-huh. So, th- in the era, we talked about Old House Rapper in the last yep. episode. Yeah. In the era where pitching mechanics uh, were changing with uh, there was an increase in pitch velocity obviously. Mm-hmm. Originally, pitchers were throwing underhand and it had to be straight without bending your elbow, so early on it was pretty easy to hit. Yep. Uh, so there was an offense pro- offensive problem in baseball, so they decided to so let pitchers change it up a bit. Listen to the Old Haas yeah. episode for, yeah. for more on that. Which, I
1: should mention, that makes Old Haas's accomplishments that much more impressive and at it, that time. But anyway, carry on.
0: Um, so the stiff arm restriction was abandoned in, in 1868, but scores remained high. Uh, at the beginning of 19 or 1871, batters were permitted to call for a high or low pitch, and if the pitcher failed to accommodate... Uh, <laughs> He was A ball was called. So even if it was over the plate, you had to be like, low, high, and the pitcher had to do that for you. <laughs> I don't know why this even made it in here. Uh, <laughs> Makes no sense. Okay, so in 1878, in uh, uh, the year before the first net was installed, the pitcher was permitted to raise the ball as high as his waist before delivering to the batter. And in 1883, the line was elevated to the pitcher's shoulder. So mm-hmm. you were basically doing sidearm. Uh, so, with this same thing, kind of, as the pitching affects the batting. So, right. there's more foul balls all of a sudden. Because right. pitchers becoming the better. coming better. Yeah, the velocity is so, like, coming up. So, your timing's up. off. Yeah, You're, exactly. you're ahead so or the behind the ball. Com- the ball's coming off the bat um, <laughs> a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and either way, people weren't ready for this. So this is amazing. This is my favorite thing I was looking for. So with an increase in speed of the pitches and now the increased increased frequency of injuries by fans sitting behind the plate where there was no nettings whatsoever, (laughs) the area started to be called the slaughter pen. Behind the
1: plate was called the slaughter pen.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You can sit in the slaughter pen until the Providence Mm Grays took that away.
1: (laughs) And... and then it became expensive to sit in the well, slider pen probably.
0: I just love that. They're just like, "Oh, you going to the game today? Where, are you, Where sitting? you sitting?" the oh, slider slaughter slaughter pen? pen. Oh, Danger Bay. Um so what do you think happened when they first put the nets in? Were people upset? Oh fuck yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> of course they were. <laughs> they were like, "Oh, everyone's oh, "You're hurt. taking away the danger. <laughs> I want to go to a baseball game and be scared for my life. (laughs) I got nothing else to do. Yeah. Um, uh, So, yeah, with uh, fans complaining, it hindered the view of the game. In Milwaukee, a wire screen was erected in front of the grandstand on June twenty fifth, 1884. But it was removed seven days later because fans complained it obstructed their view, and they just didn't like it. Mm -hmm. Early protection behind the plate at first had little to do with fan safety and more about keeping the ball in play. Before they're underhanding, obviously the ball's not going very far, and yeah. now you're actually pitching. Mm-hmm. So catchers' fences were—that's what they were called. And they were built from wood or just like some skewed wiring. There was there was an actual like cases where like balls would go th- through the wiring. Yeah. Of these like early uh, things, backstop and, kind of things, and and lawsuits were filed, but like they would win because it was like well they were sitting behind the netting, but the netting failed.
1: So that was like a okay.
0: loophole in the the baseball rule that we're getting to, but like there was there was some of that in like early netting and okay. stuff like that 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 you know, it just sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, where are we here? Yeah, so this is a a lot of this is is coming from uh, uh, the next bit is coming. there's a there's a legal paper called a foul ball in the courtroom, a baseball Spectator Injury. As a case of first impression by uh, J. Gordon Hilton, I believe it's like in like the Tulsa Law Review, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> Which is something I never thought I'd be reading, but this was so fantastic. And and I, I obviously got lots of sources when I put this stuff together, but this was a it was a big help. So I have to cite that as as basically a One of ton the of selected this information. Reading. Yeah. yeah, so. Owners had to protect themselves, so we, we now have nets behind home plate, but people are still getting hit by foul balls. Right. Um, so, owners had to protect themselves. Because they well, didn't buy the good net. Well, or just off to the side, you know, like everything yeah. else. So, in 1866, an English case called Indemar v. Dames, where a court held that an owner was obligated to protect the business visitor against dangers in which the proprietor knew he should have known the business visitor rule. So it's kind of like... It's it's fair. Yeah. So this is like a time where, like, uh, people were... For generally, like, it was like a very individualistic movement of, like, well, you need to take care of yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. um, so... Endemir. The, the ruling, was quickly embraced by American courts and treatise writers. Treatise writers? I don't know a lot of this legal jargon. Mm-hmm. Anyway, by the, by the end <laughs> of the first decade of the 20th century, the business visitor rule had been applied to a variety of public amusements and exhibitions. In 1901 edition of Thompson's Treatise, Treatise? Uh, on the law of negligence described the proprietor proprietors of public exhibitions as having a special duty imposed by the principles of the law to exercise reasonable care in construction, maintenance, and management to the end to the end of protecting the public, f- so coming upon the premises. The business visitor rule seemed to suggest the ballpark operator had the duty to protect his patrons from harm, but there were problems in applying that rule for foul balls. Okay. So, basically what it's saying is, is like, if, if he built... If a, the stadium owner built bleachers that failed, that's right. on him. Right. But foul balls, first of all... uh, Just part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it basically says, like, if you are unaware of these circumstances, like, totally good. But if you know baseball and you're going to a game, mm-hmm. you should...
1: Know that yeah. there's this implied danger.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh... The issue was that few who attended a baseball game could claim they were unaware for potential injury uh, by the fact that foul balls were something that could cause harm. Mm-hmm, Everybody mm-hmm, knew. Mm-hmm. From the beginning uh, of commercialized baseball, there were lawsuits over fans being struck by baseballs. Early on, there were lawsuits that were resolved at trial level. In 1888, Aaron Potts claimed injuries stemming from being hit by a baseball in a major league game and got 5000 bucks, which is good amount of money back in 1888 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, the first appellate court opinion dealing with spectator injury by a foul ball at a professional baseball game was crane versus kansas city baseball and exhibition co Uh, so this is this is this is it this is the one this is the big one Okay. (laughs) Strap in, everybody. Strap in. It was heard uh, by the court in 1910 and decided uh, again in 1913 by the Kansas City Division of the Missouri Court of Appeals, setting the precedent that is still upheld to this very day, otherwise known as the baseball rule. The baseball rule. Um In Crane v. Kansas City Baseball and Exhibition Co., the plaintiff argued that the owner of the Kansas City Blues, uh, the minor league of the Minor League American Association, was liable for an injury the defendant sustained while in attendance for a game. The injury was undisclosed, though not thought to be serious, due to Crane only seeking a hundred dollars in damages. Okay, Uh, so that's about twenty six hundred dollars today, right? So it's a small claims court, small claims court, Um, Judge Judy. Crane had paid 50 cents for general admission ticket and could have paid 25 cents for a bleacher seat. Uh how Cr- much do you pay for a regular ticket? 50 cents. 50 cents and 25 for a bleacher? Yeah, so you can okay. sat in the outfield. Uh, so Yeah, in there was a net behind home plate. So mm. uh um, Crane sat down the third baseline just outside of the cover of the wire mesh fencing. And because of this Uh, There was no assigned seats. He could have selected a seat in the section over, which was technically behind it.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: In his complaint to the court, Crane asserted the ballpark owner had been negligent in failing to screen the entire grandstand and that this negligence was proximate cause for his injuries. Uh, In response, the defendants issued a general denial of the plaintiff's claim and further maintained the plaintiff was guilty of contributing contributory negligence and had assumed risk of his injuries when he went to the baseball game and sat where he sat. Where he sat, yeah. Both parties agreed on a statement of facts, so they were both just like, well, we know that this guy hit the ball and it hit you, so whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Uh... And the whole lawsuit was really based upon the question of the extent of liability placed on the owner. So, Crane admitted uh, he was knowledgeable about the game to the court and the chance of a foul ball was being hit into the stands. He knew that was He knew it was a possibility. Circuit Court Judge W.O. Thompson refused to accept Crane's argument and dismissed the case. Crane then filed an appeal, which under Missouri law was heard by the Court of Appeals for Western Missouri. On February 17, 1913, three, a three-judge court upheld a lower court dismissal of the lawsuit. Judge J.M. Johnson said, One invited to a place who is offered a choice of two positions, one of which is less safe than the other, cannot be said to be in the exercise of reasonable care if, with full knowledge of the risks and danger, he chooses to be in the more dangerous place. That is fundamental... Rule of law of negligence. Rule of law of the law of negligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the decision was based on years and years of litigation and lawsuits filed. Like obviously, this has yeah. happened before. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons for the ruling was taken from a 1908 Supreme Court decision, where the court s- cited baseball fan a baseball fan sitting in an area where they know there's a chance of being struck, as an obvious example of assumption of risk. So there was a there was a trial in Michigan that went all the way to the Supreme Court, where Michi- they didn't they weren't trying the same thing. Yeah. But there was a negligent suit, and the court was like, "Well, obviously, if a fan said it went to a baseball game, they know they could get hit." And that mm-hmm. was like an argument made by a lawyer or something there that was you know that argument was accepted, so it was on the books already. Right. Right. Um, Had set precedent. Yeah. So. Yeah, which is
1: like a fair argument, sort of. But well, like, it
0: is. Not, but it it totally is. So basically, this thing was just like, hey, you need to screen in everywhere. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, some baseball fans, like we talked about, so kids love catching foul balls and, and yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah. so, but it, it wasn't necessarily. But at the same point, the court still could have ruled that, like, well, you need to extend it a little more because clearly this guy got injured.
1: Mm-hmm. It might be in your best interest. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, exactly, right? So, um, in 1919, the Supreme Court of Washington held that a baseball fan who chose to sit in an unscreened area rather than the screened seat was barred as a matter of law from suing the operator of the ballpark from, for negligence when struck by a ball, citing the Crane case. So now it's gone from the Missouri Court of Appeals, uh, Supreme Court to. Now it's being cited in Washington Supreme Court and uh-huh. now it's it's like on the books, right? Yeah. Like um, so by the nineteen thirties the Crane the Crane case was widely recognized as leading case in law of landowner liability generally, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the principal case regarding the liability of operators of sporting arenas and stadiums. So this like little lawsuit for like twenty six hundred bucks
1: yeah. f- from nineteen ten. Has like affected everything. Like liability within stadiums. Well, it basically like, just and-
0: made the MLB or any other, like, they, they just didn't have to change because people could sue them and it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Right? Um, so the ruling Crane had sought from the appellate court would have had dramatic consequences for professional baseball. Mm-hmm. It would have changed, like, everything, right? Yeah. Since the rule he advocated, he would, it would. It would have required ballpark owners to screen in the entire seating area, sometime something that was not done at a baseball park in the United States or anywhere else at the time, mm-hmm. uh, and be prepared to pay medical expenses of every single person that gets hit by a foul ball. Yeah.
1: So. so because of this, like sort of antiquated way of like thinking about it, like as far as like you could have sat here and you could have sat here, like because probably like you say there was no like assigned seating. And then that sets the precedent, but like that doesn't really, like.
0: Well, it doesn't I, apply when, when.
1: That doesn't you're apply to like now where and you can have... get hit by a
0: 110 mile an hour pitch in one second. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean. So, the... so, but but think about it this way if that decision went the other way mm-hmm. in 1910, all, like almost, not the guy that stabbed himself in the heart, yeah. but all of those people would still be alive. Mm hmm. Because there'd be netting, like it, yeah, yeah, like that's that's a bit of like a, but yeah, if, essentially, if, like if that lawsuit in, in to so, simplify it, yeah, so all like the the it all goes back to that to lawsuit. this precedent, being yeah, said. and that was the so uh, screening in every stadium would have caused huge changes to the ballpark, obviously. Mm-hmm. So it's not so simple. Even now, it's not so simple. We'll talk about that in a sec, uh, and many would. No longer have been able to operate, and the court would have also yeah, so the court also cited in many cases regarding this that fans would rather sit in unscreened areas, so I mean, yeah, so they were worried about the growing of the game and stuff mm-hmm. if, if mm-hmm. everything was a uh, as noted during the podcast, thousands upon thousands of people have been injured yes. since this court decision <laughs> <laughs> um uh but. With everything becoming more and more visible, the MLB has given into public pressure to expand netting. In December 2015, MLB recommended teams strengthen the safety netting in their parks. Uh, the league recommended that teams add safety netting uh, or some sort of barrier device as well where they could. Teams will be encouraged to add netting or some other type of protective barrier to shield fans sitting between the near ends of both dugouts within 70 feet of home plate. The Major League Players Association Right. The Major League Players Association at this point has in 2015 had twice been like, "Yo, we need netting everywhere,"
1: mm-hmm.
0: like not for like home runs, but mm-hmm. like everywhere down the foul yeah. lines. Um, this is players' association. Yeah, and ja- yeah, well, because if, if, if we've
1: seen like we were like we were talking earlier, we were at that game. Yeah, like the looks on like that guy's the the
0: guy who hit the ball. Mm-hmm. And, like you could tell that that was oh. just killing
1: him. You know. Well,
0: we're getting to that. Uh, so. In 2018, teams were directed to extend the netting further down the line, which we've seen. Still, the MLB uh, has had to deal with highly visible incidents of children being hurt by foul balls, Uh including an incident in 2019 where the Cubs' Albert Almora Jr. was brought to tears on the field in Houston after learning a foul ball off his bat had struck a two-year-old girl fracturing Uh her skull. Uh, Another two-year-old, another two-year-old girl was struck in the face by a hundred and five mile an hour line drive in Yankee Stadium in two (sighs) thousand and seventeen. We talked about earlier a lot. There's a lot more. There's a lot more stuff going on, but nobody. A two-year-old girl cannot be liable for catching a hundred and five mile an hour line
1: drive. But that was like what I was kind of getting, like, you know, gonna say as well when I was talking earlier about like. It kind of being, I see the argument that, like, you could have sat somewhere else at that point. But, like, even if, like, that is the argument, like, you can't expect your average person, let alone a two-year-old, to be yeah. able to, like, react at, like, the speed that you need to react yeah. to do that. like yeah. it's it, there's It's not so- fair to ask the average person to be that. Prepared.
0: You well, know? and and I read lots and lots of people. Like, there's tons of articles out there about people getting injured, and then you know, they, like one guy in Philadelphia got injured by like Jimmy Rollins' thing, and you know, he tried to sue, but his lawyer was like, "Don't even bother, me. man. Don't. It's mm-hmm. not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Baseball girl. Um, yeah, and yeah. and he, I think he got like a, a signed ball and like uh Maybe a to tour the of the stadium. Yeah, no, just like I take it to the game. He was like, I don't want to fucking go to the game last time the Yeah, I, I got hit in the face. I got a concussion and lost teeth. <laughs> so uh we'll sit up top. Yeah. So the Chicago White Sox and Atlanta Braves were the first teams to extend netting all the way down the foul line. And now in twenty twenty all teams will be required to extend it fully mm-hmm. down the foul line. Although some parks can't do it just based on architecture but like the Blue Jays are doing it we, right. we're we from Toronto, we go to Blue Jays games so the Blue Jays are going to be fully screened in all the way down the lines and so is every team that's capable of doing it now
1: mm-hmm. uh, so that's the, that's the good news yeah uh, I think it's, I mean, I've
0: never got a foul ball yeah, I mean that, that, and I'm that's, not too worried another... about it
1: because I'd probably just give it ups. to a kid there's still anyway. Pop
0: ups into the stands and stuff. Yeah. It's just there's no more line drives.
1: Exactly, that's what I was going to say. They're still going to get the foul balls over there. Yeah, a lot of them would pop over the
0: fence anyway, probably. Yeah. So, so uh, I think the Blue Jays, Phillies, Dodgers, Nationals, Rangers, Pirates have all said they're going to extend it like all the way down the line, but it, it should be taken care of at this point. And like, yeah, basically like anything. <laughs> Major League Baseball is that's taken forever. For yeah, well, they they it's it's wild that they took this long to change it, and like the the that's why at first I was just like, well, I want to I want to research fan deaths at the game, Mm -hmm. and there there's a book about fan deaths. I almost ordered it, but then I was just like. I, I read about the baseball rule, and I was like, "Well, how did we get the baseball rule?" Mm-hmm. And then I ended up finding this. So it was just the, down it, the wormhole. Down the wormhole. So at first, this episode 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 was going to be just a bunch of short stories of people dying at the mm-hmm. ballpark, mm-hmm. but it kind of evolved into this. I'm like, "Holy shit!" Like, and now it's it's we're getting netting at the games, and that's a good thing, but it's absolutely.
1: Like why? Why? Why did it take so long for this? Like, triv- it, even seems just like to tri- them. it seems even like just such a. It seems like such a trivial them. thing. Yeah, even just know? to
0: extend them over the dugouts or
1: whatever. Like, like, like was that? See, it probably all comes down to just, like, not wanting to spend the money. But Well, like, exactly, it's, and
0: they were legally protected yeah. by the baseball rule, so it's yeah. not like it costs them any money. Because it can't
1: really be that it's like, well, fans won't come if they can't get a foul ball. Like, that's, you know.
0: Yeah, no, it's... it's there is, like, you know, there's... I don't know how they do it, um, but, I mean, oftentimes there is... Stadiums, people go down the first and third baselines and get autographs before the games mm-hmm. and stuff. And maybe that's hindered now. But, like, people died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I think we can sacrifice that, that a little that was, bit. The, right? That was the point of this, was, was well, like, yeah. people, people died and got seriously hurt. Mm-hmm. And they had no legal recourse. Mm-hmm. And their only crime was sitting close at a baseball game. Right. Yeah, that's not fair. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah. That's, yeah,
1: that was a good like episode about uh, litigation in baseball, <laughs> setting know, like I, precedent or yeah, whatever. Jack,
0: if, if you want but, to uh, read that legal paper, no, well. that, that <laughs> I enjoyed it that one. It has much more. It has much more information than I just gave. I kind of summarized it in, mm-hmm. in you know mm-hmm. one page, but it's about twenty pages long, and it's all about litigation and baseball history. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, so I'm Sean. And I'm Eds. And, and follow us on Twitter. Yeah, follow us on Twitter at, <laughs> at Doing Baseball. Uh, Instagram, uh, give us a review. Five stars or one star. Tell us what's up. Check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.
1: And uh, let's try that again. He's Sean. And you're Eds. Yeah, and and we're
0: doing baseball. Doing baseball. Okay, bye.